Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Bad Religion Podcast, the video game episode. I'm your host, Mike, aka I Kill Kenny, and I'm here to talk about everything Bad Religion, as well as play some rare and live songs by the band. As the name suggests, this episode will be devoted to playing Bad Religion songs that were featured in various video games over the year. We're going to start the show off with what was used for the introduction of Crazy Taxi, Hear It, performed live in Gothenburg, Sweden in 1999. Here goes. Bad Religion themselves used to play a video game section of their shows back during the Process of Belief tour. Here's a little clip of Greg talking about video games. Thank you very much. We'd like to move into a, move into a portion of our set tonight here. We call the video game portion. <laughs> We've been lucky enough to be included in some of the finest video games on the planet. Now, how many of you ever play video games? That's cool. There was a time when I would ask that question of an audience and they would pretend to be superior. And they'd say, fuck video games. That's bullshit. But Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Crazy Taxi. Those are a couple games that have some very fine choice in music. Because you're going to hear a couple reasons right now why. I'm sure many of our listeners know that Bad Religion performed you and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, but I bet less of you are aware that they contributed Big Bang for Tony Hawk's Underground. Here's a live version of that song from the bootleg Delirium of Disorder.
Once again, that was Big Bang, the second track off of No Control, off of the Delirium of Disordered Bootleg. Bad Religion actually put out a sequel to Along the Way called Big Bang back in the early 1990s. Much like Along the Way, the video is composed of an entire tour throughout Europe before the release of Generator, so you will often see the band members warping through venues and changing clothes as they play. The video also features some interviews, the most notable one being Greg and Brett interviewing each other on a boat in Nuremberg. You can also find this interview in a few songs from the video on the Punkorama DVD released a few years ago. That DVD also had a pretty nice documentary on the creation of Epitaph with Brett and many other Epitaph artists, which I recommend you guys check out if you're interested in that type of thing. Let's move on to another song from No Control featured in the Tony Hawk game, this time being the great Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 and the song being You. As I mentioned in the first podcast, You was the first Bad Religion song I ever heard. As you might expect, it holds a special place in my heart. Here's a demo version of You that Greg and Brett presumably recorded before No Control was recorded. Here goes. Once again, that was You, featuring the soundtrack of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Before I play some more songs, let's delve into the bad religion news of the past two weeks. The first piece of news for the week is that Epitaph has finally put up a trailer for Live at the Palladium, Bad Religion's live DVD due out March 7th. You can find the trailer at epitaph.com, and I will also link to it at the website brpodcast.blogspot.com. From the 30 or so seconds of footage that they show in the trailer, the DVD looks like it will be great. The video quality looks very good, and it seems pretty well edited. Speaking of Live at the Palladium, the first review of the DVD that I've seen has been posted over at DVDtalk.com. The disc earned 4 out of 5 stars in every category except extras, where it only earned 3 out of 5 stars. I'll post a link to the review at the website so that you can read it yourself, but I'd just like to mention a few of the points I found interesting in the review. 
First, a reviewer lists the actual tracks played on the old footage that they include on the DVD. These tracks are Theme Song, Slaves, We're Only Gonna Die, and Oligarchy. I'm pretty sure that I've never seen a version of Oligarchy performed live, so that's going to be exciting to hear. Also, the disc includes several Bad Religion music videos for those of you who have not seen them before. These videos are American Jesus, Atomic Garden, Los Angeles is Burning, Broken, Sorrow, and Struck a Nerve. Of course, there are several other songs that Bad Religion at least tried to put into video format, usually with pretty awful results. I think in a future episode, I'll do a little feature on the band's video career. In other news, Bad Religion announced some new tours recently. At the end of April, they will be playing at Rock in Belgium, which I assume is some sort of festival. They also will be touring Japan this summer, which is good news for fans from that country, because I'm pretty sure the only country the band visits less than Japan is Australia. Sorry, guys. That's all for this week's news. Now it's time for another song. Here's Empty Causes, which for some reason was put on the soundtrack for Crazy Taxi 3 High Roller for the Xbox. I'm not sure exactly why they chose this song. It doesn't really have the same tempo that the other songs in the game, like 10 and 2010 and Them and Us do. I think a much more appropriate song would have been The Fast Life or Supersonic. Anyways, here is Empty Causes. Once again, that was Empty Causes from the album The Grey Race. 
Just like the last episode, when I was looking through the various posts at Defining Bad Religion for this song, I found an interesting interpretation in the song. On the surface, this song seems to be critical of the various ideological movements of Graffin's youth. The first verse is referring to the hippie movement of the 1960s with references to Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, and the idea of utopian love. Ultimately, the movement turned out to be an empty cause and its members became conforming members of society. The second verse describes the early punk movement, starting off with the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. The scene recalls the people who rejoiced when the president was sh being shot, but could not realize their irony of their militant anti-government stance. When the rhetoric and anger was stripped away, there was nothing left but another empty cause. The song ends with Graffin's thesis statement on causes, how they ultimately are no different from person to person and from time to time, and no matter how hard we believe in them, they end up being empty. Anyways, the interesting comment that I found on this song was posted by a member named Droogie Droogie. He feels that the Great Race was largely an attack on the problems of the left wing. That's an interesting interpretation of the album that I had never thought. Clearly, this song in particular is criticizing the various leftist movements since the 1960s. But what about the other songs on the album? Do they stick with this theme of criticism? I think that punk rock song, on some levels, perhaps carries this theme. The chorus that states that this song is written for the people who can see something wrong is obviously targeted towards the traditional dissident members of society. The song is essentially calling these people out for doing just enough to satisfy their own consciousnesses, but not enough to actually bring about any change in these hard conditions that the singer lists in the verses. I could spend a long time going through many other songs in The Great Race, analyzing them for leftist criticism, but I'll leave that up to you guys. Let's move on to our next song, 10 in 2010. This song was featured in both Crazy Taxi and Crazy Taxi 3. It happens to be another song from The Great Race, but I don't really see this one as an attack on the left. Graffin has stated that this song is simply a song about overpopulation and was written as a reaction to a news report he heard that the world's population would be 10 billion by the year 2010. I'm not exactly sure where Graffin heard such a news story because the model seems considerably off. Regardless, here's 10 in 2010. Yeah. 
for another exciting installment of the Pretenders section. The cover song this week is actually something a little different than usual. Not only does this song stick with the video game theme, but it is ripped directly from the video game from which it was played. The song is Infected, and the game it comes from is Guitar Hero. Featured on lead guitar is none other than your friendly podcast host, me. Here goes!
Well, that was probably the craziest cover that I will ever do on this show. For those of you with the game, I was only performing it on the paltry medium difficulty level because I'm not very good at it. Anyways, let's move on to the history section of the show. Once again, sticking with the video game theme, this week's history lesson is on Greg Hessen, the band member who is probably the biggest video game fan. Greg Hessen's role with the band started back on How Could Hell Be Any Worse, where he played a solo on Part 3. He was not an official band member at this point, concentrating his efforts on bands like Red Cross, of which I have some of their songs and I'll play at a later date, and The Circle Jerks. He first teamed up with Graffin in a serious way before the release of Into the Unknown, and the two collaborated on a project called Greg Greg. They recorded an album in 1982, but the only song that remains from the project is Running Fast. However, Time and Disregard was later redone as a bad religion song on Into the Unknown. Perhaps someday the other songs that they recorded will be released. Hessen became an official member of the band with the release of Back to the Known. In fact, it was Hessen who was probably most responsible for reviving the band after the disappointment of Into the Unknown. With the Circle Jerks taking a year off, Hessen convinced Graffin to put out a record closer to the original sound of the band. Teaming up with bassist Tim Galagos and drummer Pete Finestone, the band released Back to the Known in 1984. On this album, Hessen actually co-wrote the song Frogger, which referred to a 1981 arcade game developed by Konami. In this game, the player has to get Frogger across a busy street and over a rushing river to the other side before time runs out or Frogger is killed. The intro of the studio version of that song is actually a song from the game. Here's a live version of that song from the bootleg We're Not the Damned in Turn to the rest of the Hessen history section later. Now I'd like to comment on the so-called webcam controversy that spread over various punk message boards back in December. If you didn't hear about it, basically it started by someone posting a thread on some message board with the contents of someone's blog of, or MySpace. One of the suspicious things about the post was the original blog never seemed to be linked to. It was always, I saw this on this forum, so I'll post it here. The poster claimed to be a female fan of Bad Religion who obtained Graffin's screen name through a thank you note from ordering his thesis. This part is factually feasible, as I and many other people who ordered his thesis received a similar apology letter from Greg at the end of 2004 for the delays that he was having getting in enough copies of his thesis printed. Basically, what ends up happening in the story is that the girl adds Graffin to her buddy list, and he eventually sends her an invite to join her in a webcam session. Things progress further, and they eventually the two have what could best be described as cybersex. The post is complete with some very fuzzy pictures of Graffin in front of a computer in some attic looking at a computer, taking his shirt off, and eventually holding what appears to be his dick. In one picture, Graffin is apparently making an odd gesture with his tongue that is frankly pretty disturbing to see. Several people have pointed out some inconsistencies with these pictures. Specifically, there are many color problems that are consistent with photoshopped images. 
The greatest argument for their validity is that the webcam just took some pretty bad photos. Of course, Graven's face is very conveniently only in the first two pictures. In the pictures where you see Graven's face, there are some inconsistencies in his hairline and hair color from other pictures from a similar date. Greg's hair is blacker and his hairline slightly less recessed. Greg is also considerably skinnier than I think I've ever seen him. In the picture where he's taking his shirt off, he virtually has a six-pack. Although Greg doesn't exactly parade around shirtless at shows, you can tell from things like the outline of his shirt that he probably isn't sporting such a flat stomach. And finally, the room that Greg is in is very strange. He appears to be in an attic somewhere, which is strange for a man who owns his own house. On top of that, the attic is very sparsely decorated and unpainted. It seems more like the realm of a teenager with some Photoshop skills than a relatively successful musician. With all that said, there really isn't enough evidence to judge either way. I would say that this is very likely that it was a hoax, but I do not have definitive evidence to prove it. Either way, so what if it were true? As a society, we place such an absurd stigma on sex. Everyone does it, but then suddenly when someone is caught, it becomes a scandal. Greg Raffin is as human as the rest of us. Being the singer for a band does not make you any different of a person than someone who works in a factory or at a desk. I think that the reason that this relatively unfounded accusation caught on so feverishly is because Graffin has become something of a role model for so many people. I suppose these people did not listen to Greg when he said, I love my computer, you make me feel alright. Okay, no, that, that wasn't fair. I'm just kidding. What, what, what I was actually referring to was the following song, No Direction.
get no direction from me You'll get no direction from me Let's go Let's get back to the history of Greg Heston. Heston had a reputation for being an avid Nintendo fan back in the later 1980s. The answer over at the Bad Religion page notes that he used to program Nintendo games, by which I assume they mean computer games, as Nintendo had a strong locking on their hardware which prevented independent programmers from creating games for their system. He was a particular fan of Super Mario Brothers, and here's an interview of him discussing that from the Big Bang video. What was that? I can, thought you were going to ask me about Nintendo. Because everywhere I go, people come up to me and go, Super Mario, what's with this, you know, political stuff? Let's what level have you gotten to in Super Mario Brothers 3? I finished it all. Heston did not necessarily have a particularly rosy outlook on video games. The answer attributes him to saying that video games were yet another contribution to his wasted existence. The song 21st Century Digital Boy is also rumored to be partially based on Heston's experience with games, although it could just be a coincidence. After all, the song draws on a number of sources, which I will explore in a future episode. Anyways, it's time for the podcast to draw to a close. With all of the talk about the webcam controversy that I did a few minutes ago, it's only appropriate to play I Love My Computer as the first of the two outro songs this week. The final song that will be played this episode is Inner Logic, which f- was featured on the credits of Crazy Taxi and Crazy Taxi 3. This is one of my favorite songs off of Stranger Than Fiction, although the live version doesn't quite hold up as well compared to the studio version due to the lack of good background vocals that are essential for a song like this. I really think that Bad Religion ought to hire a second vocalist to handle all the backup stuff so that they don't sound so terrible during live shows. They can even have a weird vocalist duels between Graffin and some other guy or something. Or not. Whatever. Oh yeah, before I go, I'd like to mention that because there was no listener interaction section this week, I'm posing the same question that I posed last week. If you missed it, that question was, what are your all-time favorite Bad Religion songs? You can send me an audio clip or just a plain text email with your comments at brpodcast at gmail.com. I'll make sure to read or play these comments on the next episode. Speaking of the next episode, it should be released two weeks from today. That means the next episode will be out Wednesday, March 8th, one day after the Live at the Palladium DVD hits stores. Hopefully I'll have the DVD by then and will be able to provide a review of it. You can also look forward to an interview I did with Fiat, the basis of the cover band Generator, on that show. I played their rendition of Modern Man on the first show, and you can find a link to their website at the at this podcast's own website, beerpodcast.blogspot.com. Anyways, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next week. Remember to check out the show's website at brpodcast.blogspot.com and feel free to email me at brpodcast at gmail.com. See ya.